Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my friend David Wood. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm glad to meet you. And I love the title of your podcast. What about it do you like? Because so many people hate it. Because we're so tunnel vision on I have to succeed. I have to succeed. I want people to feel good about me. I want to belong. And we get scared. We get scared to actually take a really big chance and fail. And so you're just saying, hey, Failure is welcome. Let's embrace it. In fact, I think at Kodak, they used to say, let's fail faster. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's do that. Then we've got freedom. It seems like there's two, there's people either on one side of the fence. They're on your side, our side, we'll call it, or they're on the, I hate the word failure so much. I can't even allow you to finish your sentence until I tell you why I hate the word failure. And then I, I eventually tell them, well, I'm not saying uh, I want to, you know, be a mess up my whole life. I'm just saying in order to be successful, you have to fail. So uh, you got to step outside of that comfort zone. And a lot of people just don't do it to your point out of fear. Yeah. So what I like to do to start out the show is have some people just inflate themselves before they have to deflate themselves with the failure stuff. So just feel free to do it. <laughs> just the most shameless brag of all time, whatever you'd like to say of your I love it. high points. It's inflate before we deflate. Yeah. Uh, high points. I got paid to go to college. I was very privileged. Oh, uh, I was very left brained. Uh, and by the way, college was free when I went to college in Australia, but I got a scholarship. I got, had a job waiting for me when I got out. I then got transferred to Park Avenue in New York. And at the age of 24, I'm consulting to Sony Music, Ford and Exxon and Chanel. You'd think I had it made. And then, okay, if we're bragging, right? So we're not deflating. Yeah, keep bragging, yeah. <laughs> not deflating yet. <laughs> You're a hot air balloon right now. I then discovered, I discovered coaching and became one of the leading coaches in, in, in the world. I think at the time I was number one on Google out of 23 million results nice. for life coaching. I went into speaking and spoke to audiences of a thousand people and discovered how to sell from the stage. Uh, I was blown away to receive $387,000 from one speech. Uh, then I, that is impressive. Thank you. I published a book. Uh, Jack Canfield was kind enough to write the forward to that book and this book. And I got elected to the transformational leadership council, which I'm so honored. Uh, Jack Canfield, John Gray, Marianne Williamson, Don Miguel Ruiz, uh, are all members or former members. And so that's in a nutshell, some of the business stuff that I've done. Oh, and I coach executives, business owners, and leaders uh, to double their performance, their revenue, and their happiness. Mm, but double zero is zero still sometimes. But uh, what was the name of the first book that you wrote? Uh, the first book was Get Paid for Who You Are. Ooh, I like that name. Yeah, it's for people wanting to start their own business and share something they love with the world. That's probably like uh, at the forefront of the authenticity movement, I would imagine, before it became ubiquitous. Well, I, I like to think that. And that, that um, is a nice segue to, to the, the next book, which is coming out uh, June 13, uh, which is all about authenticity and being you. But this one you can apply at home and you can mm -hmm. apply it at work. You can apply in the boardroom. It's got much more universal application. It seems like there's more structure to it as well, because there's a, uh, well, I know you get into a big thing about mouse naming, but first yeah. of all, let's say the name of the book is Mouse in the Room, and it's, uh, it's a play on the elephant in the room thing, but kind of the opposite, right? Is that that's at least my minute understanding, but give the listeners a little yeah. bit of a, of a short intro as to how that is. Yeah, that's well said. Well, you know, it's Mouse in the Room because the elephant isn't alone. And it's ridiculous how often we don't address the elephant in the room. You see it, I see it, no one's saying anything. Well, mm -hmm. we could have called the book Address the Elephant in the Room because we start there. But so many animals in the room are much more subtle. 
Maybe it's something I'm feeling. Maybe it's something I'm wanting. Maybe it's something going on with my body or I feel disappointed by something you, you did last week. That's not an elephant because mm -hmm. you don't see it. Maybe you see it, maybe you don't. I got no idea. That's a mouse. And when we ignore the elephant in the room and the mice in the room, then we create disconnection from ourselves, mm -hmm. from other people. We feel isolated. We feel lonely. We need to medicate and people will trust us less. They won't know why. They'll just know mm, there's not real, they won't even be able to say there's not true congruence between who you are and what mm -hmm. I'm getting from you. And so they'll just trust you less. They'll want to spend less time with you. They're less likely to buy from you, to hire you, to promote you. So mm -hmm. this book is about discovering your mice because that's the first step awareness. Oh, this is what's going on. This is why I don't like that guy. Mm -hmm. Discover your mice and then artfully name them in a way that's likely to build connection and trust and not create a train wreck. It'll change your life. The subtitle is your pathway to connection, confidence, and leadership. Is that right? Is that still the, well, for the next few days, we're still, we're still playing with it. Um, that is one of my favorite subtitles, your pathway mm -hmm. to connection, confidence, and becoming the badass leader that people want to follow. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, that's well, that's one subtitle. What I heard here, at least from my own perspective, uh, that I didn't quite get when I was looking at everything online is that, um, so I've been fired from every job I've had since graduating college, which is six for six. I'm still paying off college, unlike you who got paid to go, apparently. Uh, right. But every time I got fired, the person who I was at work and the person who I was at home became closer to the same person. I was putting on less of an act at work. And I think kind of what you're saying is that's getting rid of the mice so that you're showing up as your truest self. Is that right? Yeah. And I wouldn't say get rid of the mice. The more you try to get rid of them, kill them, exterminate them or ignore them, the more they breed. What we want to do is befriend them. Oh, this is what I'm really feeling. See, when I was raised, I was raised in Australia in a country town. My parents didn't say to me, David, how are you feeling? What, what are you aware of in your body right now? Mm -hmm. What's going on? What's going through your mind? They didn't do that. So I, did, I didn't learn. And most people, people's parents didn't do that either. No, I'm an uh, Irish Catholic guy from Boston. We did not talk about our feelings at all. Yeah. If we were going to the zoo and the zoo trip was canceled, it wasn't like, how do you feel about that? Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Oh, you're angry? That makes sense. Yeah. I feel angry too. You want to beat a pillow? What's that? that did not happen. So what we... No, it was get over it. <laughs> we're not going to the zoo, okay? <laughs> yeah. If I was angry, I got in trouble. If I was crying, sometimes I got in trouble. Mm -hmm. for crying. So look, and my parents did an amazing job, I think, raising me. But most of us did not get that kind of support. So what happened is we shut down those things. We don't even know ourselves. You know, I feel a bit disappointed. I feel betrayed. You know, I have a dream, but I couldn't say it. That's a bit silly. We've squashed it all down. We want to identify and we've identified eight different categories of mice in the book. Mm -hmm. But I'll give an example. What are your desire mice? Mm. What is it that you want in the world for your life? What is it you want today? What is it you want from this person? What is it you want from your team in this meeting? Those are desire mice. Also, what are you tolerating? What mm -hmm. are you putting up with that you don't like? Maybe around your own personal practices, your lack of exercise, your lack of good nutrition. What are you putting up with from your co-worker or your boss or your kid or your partner could that be renamed boundary mice or is it similar i mean a similar idea as a boundary setting um we don't wouldn't call it a boundary mouse but once you've identified your tolerations like i don't want this then setting a boundary is a natural extension it's like gotcha. you might make a request hey could we do it this way mm -hmm. it'd mean a lot to me it might be as simple as that or you may have to go further and say hey that's not okay with me. Well, I want you to know that's not okay. And so this is my request. And if you do that again, and you may not have to do all this yeah, at once, yeah. but if they keep doing it, you know, if you keep doing that, like, for example, I had a client who 
when we got to the time to end the session, she'd fire off more questions. Mm. And I'd say, I have an interview to go to right now, so we'll need to address that later. It's more questions come in and to the point where I would be like, I'm going to hang up now and we'll talk about this later. Yeah. And so setting a boundary looked like talking about, you know, how it felt for me. This is the impact. I hate cutting you off in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, here's my request. And if it happens again, I'm going to hang up in the middle of you speaking and I want you to know why. That's a, that's a boundary. Then that would be because you're checking your tolerance mouse. I'm checking that I'm, I'm putting up with, I don't like this. So I'm checking, okay, this is great. We can like really yep. tunnel into what are my mice? All I knew was that was really uncomfortable. I didn't like that. And I resented having to firstly being three minutes late. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a mouse. It's like, um, I resent that. I don't like being late. I don't like cutting someone off. It feels awkward for me. And I don't feel like my time's being honored. Now, I didn't know all that in the moment. We've got a mm -hmm. worksheet for that. Fill in the worksheet. Oh, this is what's going on. Now I can go and communicate those. Uh, and do I have a desire mouse? Yeah. Support me in ending on time. Don't mm -hmm. have it all be me. When I give you a five minute heads up, that's the signal to start winding it up, slipping anything last minute. And when I say, all right, we've got another minute left, anything left to say, that's the time to wrap it up, not open something new. Mm -hmm. And I requested support and I got that. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I totally understand. The other thing in the book, we ask this, there are lots of great questions, but one question you wanna ask when something's not working for you is, what kind of person would do that? Do the thing that you're trying to do, you mean? Do the thing you want to stop. Well, okay. So someone's firing questions and I'm already two minutes late. Instead of just setting a boundary or just expressing that you're upset about it, ask yourself, what kind of person would do that? And when mm -hmm. I ask myself, what kind of person would keep firing off questions when we're already late? And it came to me someone who doesn't want the call to end and is worried about going forward on their own. It sounds like a way to be empathetic. Yes. It's a way to step into their shoes. Mm -hmm. And I got this from my friend and colleague, Deka Kunov. What kind of person? Now, when I said that to myself, I realized that, and I was able to float that idea to her. I started wondering what might be going on for you and why you might be doing it. And I thought, Maybe you don't want the call to end and you're worried about going forward on your own. And she mm -hmm. said, of course, I never want the call to end. I want as much time uh, as, I, as I can get. So at least we're able to meet around that. And she felt seen yeah. and I was less annoyed. Uh, well, because every time I, you I, could remind yourself that you're being wanted, it's not a, a hindrance or it shouldn't be viewed. It's more like a, they can't help themselves kind of thing. Yeah. See, one of the big concepts that that I want to get across in the book is there is power in naming the mouse, mm -hmm. even if you don't fix it. There's power in naming. So when I was able to name, I think this is what might be going on with you. And she said, of course, mm -hmm. now we can meet. We can meet around that. It's like, OK, totally get it. You might want to keep extending the session. I may need to cut you off in the middle of a word. Okay, we've got it. We've named it. Yep. Sometimes you don't even need to fix anything. It's like, I just want to name this so I can move on and mm -hmm. release the reduce the charge on it. That might yeah. be enough. We Maybe don't have that in our society. Something. Yeah, you know? we don't really have that in our society. Normally, if someone names something, we think we've got to fix it. We've got to jump in. We've got to do something. Yeah. No, maybe yeah. it's like, hey, I'm on stage here in front of you guys, and I'm a, I'm a little nervous, uh -huh. and you don't have to do anything about that. I'm totally fine being nervous. I just want to name it so I can be more present with you here. Done. Now yeah. they, the audience can connect with me over what's real. Have you explored in the book or outside the book uh, the relationship that I'm feeling between what you're saying and meditation, which involves a lot of finding a thought, like recognizing it and letting it go. So it's sort of naming it, understanding your feelings, but then also returning back to the core 
you, the breath, whatever it is. Is there a, a yes. correlation? Yeah, there is. In a way, this is this is meditation because meditation is awareness. Mm-hmm. Meditation is sitting. You put your attention on something, and then you pay attention. So we need to pay more attention to our bodies our emotions and our thoughts so we can discover what's actually happening maybe once you've discovered it there's no need to say anything we mm. call these mirror mouse or uh, mirror mice. Only blind mice because like the three blind mice but but go ahead <laughs> there is no blindness in the book it's all about eyes open um awareness a mirror mouse is something you discover for yourself oh yeah that's what I'm feeling. Oh, I, you know what? I felt betrayed when, when that happened, or I felt diminished and put down, or mm-hmm. I felt shut down in that meeting um, when I didn't get to finish my thought. That's gold, just mm-hmm. to become aware of it. And maybe that's enough. Often it's not. You become aware of it, and there's magic that happens when you screw up the courage mm-hmm. to artfully name that mouse with someone else then magic can truly happen. So where did this, uh, where did the impetus for the idea come from? What, uh, how'd you get, how'd you get here? I love, I love that question. I told you a little bit about my upbringing and I just shut down feelings, thoughts, emotions. And I went and did um, a lot of training with Landmark Education was the beginning of my personal growth. And they kept encouraging me to find any relationship where I wasn't complete. I wasn't happy. I wouldn't be thrilled to see the person on the street. Mm. And I said, I'm good. They're like, look deeper. (laughs) So as I went into it and I thought about my history and my current life, I kept on finding, oh, I'm a bit annoyed with that person. Or I feel guilty about what I said to that person last week. It wasn't very kind. I I kind of snapped. I started making these lists and then they'd say, now go and talk to that person. I said, hell no. Hmm. And some of these were big conversations for me, like the bully, the bully me for, for years at school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. And the, the, the woman, the girl that dumped me twice and gave me the cold shoulder or the uh, former employer that I, I sued, hmm. uh, these were like, I'm like, I don't want to have these conversations. But yeah. every time I did, every time I got coaching on how to go and do it, life got better. I would confess to things. I would apologize to things. I would say, I'm just letting it go. I've been resenting you for years. I'm letting it go. I wanted you to know. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had, I've had 25 years of practice of being courageous and having the scary conversations. But the book didn't come about until someone in a course came in one morning and just started ranting. You've just got to name the thing. You've got to name the thing. I've had an epiphany. You've got to name the thing. Well, like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Well, that thing that's in the room, the thing that's between you, that feeling you have, or something feels a little bit off, but you don't know what it is, or you really appreciate the person and you haven't said any, you've got to name the thing. And I said, that's a book. That concept takes Mm -hmm. this whole field of authentic relating and true communication and leadership and boils it down to one practice that anyone can learn and apply today. And it'll change your life. It'll change your company and it'll change the world. And um, I think like a a year later, I, I, I was still with name that thing, name that thing. That's going to be the title Mm -hmm. of the book. And then I thought, wait a minute, what do we have in society already that people can relate to? It's the elephant. Mm-hmm. So then the book title became name that mouse. You got to name that mouse. And then someone said, no, I think it's actually mouse in the room because people don't know that there are mice in the room and we need to let them know. So mm-hmm. I devoted two years of my life so far to, to writing this book uh, because I'm so enrolled in the power of this one concept that you can share with anybody. Your kids will get this. Hey, yeah. mommy, can I name a mouse with you? Your partner will get this. Hey, can I name a confession mouse? At work, your boss will get this, your coworkers, your direct reports. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a mouse I want to name. Um, this is what's going on for me. And here's why I'd like to name it. 
this one thing, we bring this into our language, change the world. Well, so uh, I think the key benefits uh, that I'm hearing is not only improving communication by getting to the actual heart of the issue, you know, because it seems to be a big part of it, because a lot of times we react, we don't know why. And so the naming process helps us understand what we're even upset about or, or happy about, whatever yeah. the thing is. But then also you've got the added benefit of not calling it an emotion or something like that, where people are normally going to get heated or upset. If you make it this, you know, animal thing, it's like shrouding it in a secret word where you can kind of bypass a lot of the usual emotions that people might have when you're saying I'm pissed off at you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of my, I have an anger mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could be a toleration mouse, but, but, um, you could even say to someone, Hey, uh, can I name a mouse with you? Do you know that expression? Oh, you don't? Well, it's like an elephant in the room, but it's much smaller, right? It's much smaller. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a little mouse now. Okay. Some of these mice can, can be quite big. Also we, elephants are scared of mice like stereotypically, right? Yep. They can be quite big. And, uh, you, we call them rodents of unusual size for any princess bride fans out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're always referring to an uh, RUS in the in the book, but a mouse is like, oh, that's not that big a deal. Okay, we can talk about the mouse. Well, I don't know if the person who had the epiphany is somehow related in the uh, creation of the book or writing of it or who. Just from that rant, that was that was the only involvement. But, I, I'm like, you should write a book. And after yeah. after after a year or so, um, it didn't seem like that was going to happen. I'm like, yeah. someone should write. Someone should write a book about this concept. Uh, I included her in the acknowledgements, actually, because, you know, if she hadn't said that, I don't know, it could have taken me another five years or 10 years to, to, to get around to this, this concept, this meme mm -hmm. that I wanted, I, I would like this, this is my prediction and my, my vision, is that this spreads like wildfire. And I really think this can have an impact on the world. Absolutely, for sure. And uh, what's fun is you're in this moment right now, like Schrodinger's mouse or whatever, where it both is and isn't doing that at the moment until it releases. Right. So there's my desire mouse. Is that this has a real? I want to hear people talking about mouse naming. I want to start a mouse naming revolution. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and so listeners, if you also want to start a mouse naming revolution, if you believe as I do that this could really have an impact then I'm asking you to not just go and buy one book, but go and buy several books. We're going to have a, a, a Kindle special mm -hmm. uh, for 99 cents for one particular hour on June 13, uh, noon Pacific on June 13. Don't buy one book for 1595, buy 15 Kindle versions. Mm -hmm. And that'll help us with the bestseller campaign. And you can go into the back end on Amazon and gift those, gift That's those awesome. to your partner to your kids, to your staff, um, because it's one thing to name a mouse in isolation. Mm -hmm. It's 10 times easier if the people around you are mouse naming as well. Can I implore you to make an audiobook version? Because I, with my ADHD, it's nearly impossible to read a physical book. I'll buy the book usually and pretend I read it, but then I'll listen to the audiobook. And uh, and you have a fantastic voice, I'm sure. Hopefully that's on the the plan uh route it's on the horizon yeah i mean i know it's not instantaneous and you haven't even necessarily finalized yeah. everything but i just hope at some point there will be one because that's the only way i'll be able to read it thank you yeah you're preaching to the choir i'm i also love audio books myself um sometimes i'll get the kindle and and mm -hmm. go through it sometimes i like to hold like this one i'm going to want to hold in my hand and put it on the bookshelf and maybe loan oh, to yeah. people um but I've, I've got a dear friend who's a great actor. He said, can I lobby early on to be the voice for that? I'm also going to ask Nick Podell, who's my favorite narrator of all time. I've listened to him for thousands of hours in my head. Mm -hmm. uh, and I hadn't thought of myself doing the book. But you a don't have to. I know I just put that on you, but yeah. Thank you. A couple of people have said you've got a great voice for it. It'll be fine. I don't know. I'm, I, well, I've the passion of the acting. author saying their own words to me sometimes can give it a bit extra meaning yeah well maybe we'll find out i i, I want to get the book launched and then 
I think the audio book is going to be what, what comes next pub plus publicity. I want to do some fun, yeah. creative stuff to engage people's attention and imagination. And so I'm working on the creativity of, of what would be a really fun event. Yeah. How to make it spreadable, shareable. Yeah. And- I want a competition or an event. Uh, I've thought of doing, um, you know, maybe confess for charity. You name a confession mouse to someone, report it on the website. We donate mm-hmm. a dollar to uh, a worthy cause. I, I'm just working on it. Listeners. Yeah, of course. If anyone's got any ideas, go to mouseintheroom.com and send me your ideas because I, I want to I do something fun. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many things you can do with it. I like that it, it, it could be easily incorporated into some sort of a, a even whether it's corporate uh, meeting thing or whether it's just like a group therapy kind of a deal, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, whatever the thing is, who knows? There's probably all sorts of uh, ways that it could be used by various folks. Um, exactly. The, yeah. the three big ones that, that we've identified as parenting, mm-hmm. um, romantic relationships and dating, yep. and uh, for leaders, leadership at work, teams, uh, team building, bonding, trusting each other. Uh, those are the three big areas and applications mm-hmm. we see for it. We ultimately, if this goes as well as I hope, we'll have a, a book for kids as there well. There you go. And that would lend itself well to uh, yeah. animation too. I mean, like an animated version of a kid's book. Uh, it's got animals galore. I'm sure you could have all sorts of uh, different mice. Oh, I love that. I had not thought of an animation. That's that's you know, really like good. a kid's book, like a kid's book, of course. Yeah. But you did just think of it. You just kind of said it in a different way. But since the subject of the podcast is failure, have you had any failures along the way of writing this book or even writing your previous book or on your path towards where you're at today that have helped you and you've learned uh, important lessons that you wouldn't have otherwise been able to get some success here with? Yeah. And failure is a tricky word because sometimes it it seemed like failure at the time. Yes. And now it's like, I don't know if that was a failure, but yeah, I would say um, I failed. If I think about things that I think I failed at, I'm not going to give you the enlightened version, right? Because in enlightenment, there's no, there's no failure, but but it felt like a failure um, breaking up with my first serious girlfriend eight times. Eight because, times? Yeah, eight times. Because I, I had a tragedy when I was a kid and I, I grew up with the emotions bottled up and mm-hmm. uh, I just, I wasn't able to be in relationship. And so that felt like a failure and I went to therapy and resolved things and then we ended up getting married. Um, oh. So failure turned Are into- Are you success. still together? No, we are not. So I could also say that I failed at my marriage because uh, a couple of years in, we were both having a lot of trouble and we weren't able to resolve it. And so we, we split. But I can also now say that I am happily divorced to a wonderful woman. Yeah. And I went and stayed with her and uh, her new family three years ago. And her son calls me Uncle David. And so mm-hmm. I actually now consider that a success but if you asked me at the time it would have been a failure well a lot of people uh with failed marriages and it's even in the title failed marriages but uh getting divorced it can feel like a failure no matter which way you slice it for a lot of people because it's like you put you told everybody that you're going to be together forever and then now you get to tell everybody psych we're not actually going to do that we're going to do something else and you did even espn the ocho version which was eight times of uh, of going back on that horse. What was the, who broke up with who? Was it like, uh, same person, you eight times? It was me. No, it was me. I, I just keep, whenever real intimacy came up, mm-hmm. and this is part of my origin story and why I'm writing the book. When real intimacy would come up, I'd choke up and I'd feel so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I did not have the language or the awareness to say, whoa, I'm freaking out this is really uncomfortable for me. Let me name some mice with you. I had no idea. You were going flight out of the fight or flight. Yeah. So I embarked on a journey of self-discovery and the last 20, 25 years, I've been learning more about how I tick, how to open up, how to come Mm -hmm. close to people, how to share. And that's 
embedded in the book. I don't want anyone to have that experience that I had. I want them to be more emotionally intelligent and be able to say, you know, I've realized what's going on with me. I think this is where I'm coming from. And this mm -hmm. is what I want. What do you say? That's a whole different ball game, and that's leadership. Well, so um, kind of along the lines of anger management, like when you're in those moments, when you're feeling those heavy emotions, what's your advice as to how to either put that on pause or like to do you need to go take a break before you can come back and name the mouse? So like, how do you, what's the process of, of dealing with it when you're in that heightened emotional state? Great question. So the first step is, can you catch it? Can you become aware of it as you're mm. in it and yelling at someone? Can you need a voice in your head whispering that says, okay, you're really triggered right now. There's a mouse here. Yeah. I smell it. There's, there's a big mouse. There's a rodent of unusual size here. I'm really triggered right now. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Because then when you can name that with a person, wow, I'm really triggered right now. I notice I'm really angry. I notice I want to yell at you and I want to attack and I want to defend. I'm, I'm noticing mm -hmm. this is naming your mice. And as soon as you've done that, you have expanded beyond the anger. You are now bigger than the anger. It's like you're watching yourself from above. Kind of yeah. Plus now imagine the person trying to connect with you when you're just yelling at them. They're probably in fight or flight. I've done that plenty of times. <laughs> they might be yelling back as soon as you can say, wow, I'm really angry right now. I'm really triggered. I'm activated. I notice mm -hmm. I get, I'm tight in my chest. I just want to yell. Now they have more of a chance to connect with you because you're telling them what's really happening. Yeah. And you, then you might say, I think I need 10 minutes to just go outside and breathe and calm down a bit and then come back and talk to you. Would that be okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's like, okay, I'm just going to take a couple of breaths. I'm really angry. But, I mean, either way, not giving into the yelling, and at least pausing is stopping yourself and pumping the brakes or whatever you want to call it. Don't go on automatic. Mm -hmm. Automatic is not, is not good. Now, yeah. Cruise uh, control. <laughs> we'll call it. If the automatic happens mm -hmm. and you realize later, whoa, I had a bunch of mice on my hand. I've, I've still got them. Mm -hmm. I didn't handle that very well. Go back. Yeah. And have a round two. Hey, can I, I firstly want to apologize. I'm feeling a little embarrassed. I still got a bit of charge on it, but I yelled at you. I just dumped my anger on you and I don't want to do that. And I apologize. Can we talk now that I'm calmer? I, I've identified what was going on for me and I'd like to share if you're willing to listen. That sounds like the stuff, the exposure stuff they were trying to get you to do when you were younger to go back and talk to those, make those difficult post conversations with the bully and everything like that. It sounds like you're good at that because of that. Yeah, exactly. As you're learning this, you may not always have the awareness in the moment. Oh, I've got a mouse. I'm going to name it. That's what we're heading for. That's the holy grail. Yep. But when you begin, you might just go back and clean it up a day later or a week later or a month later or 10 years later. Mm -hmm. Hey, can we talk about that thing? Because I've gotten more clarity and I'd like to feel more connected. And so I'd like to name what I think has been going on for me. You clean it up historically as you get better at it you might catch yourself in the middle of a rant and say oh wow it's a lot going on for me i don't really fully understand what's happening except that i'm furious mm -hmm. let me have a little time and i'll come back yeah uh, or maybe they're willing to work through it with you with you mm -hmm. but ideally you'll catch it right now oh this is ha what's happening in the moment can i share it with you can I tell you what's happening for me right now? So, yeah, real quick, I want to ask, because a lot of times when you're saying it, I don't know if this is all internally in your head or if it's all externally in the communication or a mixture of both. Like, uh, do you want to work through it in your own head before you start trying to tell the person about the mouse or are you actively working this out out loud? Oh, I love that that question. Initially, um, and it depends who you're talking to, like if this is your boss, yeah. Maybe you're not going to process all your stuff with your mm -hmm. boss, particularly yeah. when you haven't worked out what's going on. 
I like to go away and fill in the worksheet. There's a worksheet in the book or a link to the worksheet in the book where you can get clear. So when the stakes are high yeah. and or there's a lot of charge, maybe the other person's got a lot of charge, you've got a lot of charge. Or imbalance of authority and responsibility, you know, whatever, like yep. some kind of power dynamic. It, it's good to take some time to get clear. You might even want to work with your coach on it. Mm -hmm. Hey, help me get clear on this before I take it to, to my partner or to my boss or my kid or whatever. You might work with your therapist on it. But clarity is gold. And then you go back and you say, hey, you might even take the worksheet with you. I wrote down some notes because I want to. I want to say this well, and I'm worried I'm going to get jumbled up mm -hmm. in my head. Uh, so I, I wrote down some notes. You can have it in front of you. Now, as you get better and it's more practiced, you'll start to be doing it in your head. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just, my head's just told me this is what's going on for me. Can I share it with you right now? <laughs> my head just told me. I like that. Yeah, my head just told me. <laughs> You're building some facility. The boss just said. Yeah, there are groups. I, I just moved from Boulder, Colorado to LA. There are groups where where people practice sitting in a circle and checking in with themselves to see what's actually going on. It's like a group meditation. You can't mm -hmm. talk about somebody else. You can't tell a story from 30 seconds ago or something about tomorrow. It's the present. It's just present moment awareness. Now you'd, you'd think, Firstly, you might be thinking that's freaky. Yes, it is. You might be thinking that's scary. Yes, it is. <laughs> but it's quite amazing that you can sit for 45 minutes in a group and you might say, I notice I'm feeling bored. I want something to happen. I want to make something happen. Those are mice. Mm -hmm. Name them. You might, you might say, I notice I feel drawn to you and I, I want to get to know you better. So I I have this desire to ask you a bunch of questions in the hope that that would do it. And I'm not going to do it because that's not allowed in this format, but I'm just naming my experience that I feel, I feel drawn to you. I don't even know why. That's really interesting. It's almost more scary to some people probably than a silent retreat. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it, what happens is it's real mm -hmm. and you get to, you get an insight into what's actually happening right now with the person and look, if I hadn't done a whole bunch of those, they call it T group. If people want to go looking for this online, T group, which is short for training group. And also circling is another format how where- you, How do you spell T? Is it T-E-A group? Just the, no, just the letter T. Oh, okay. T group. Because it's short for training. So T group, if you can find one of those, or if you can find some circling, uh, that's often where you're sharing this is, you know, hearing you say that, this is what's coming up for me. That's interesting. If you start just, you know, trying to fix or coach or whatever, someone's going to stop you. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, what is going on for you that you want to offer that advice? Oh, you know, I think I felt some sympathy hearing that. And then as I check in, that kind of happened to me, something like that last year. And I feel a desire to help. And so I, I thought if I offer a solution that might help you out of, out of care for you, like this is kind of ninja stuff to break down what's going on behind the curtain. Yeah. It seems like the fastest way to get to know other people because they only can talk about their own stuff, their own feelings. Yeah. I, to go from solution, here's a solution to mm -hmm. wait a minute. Why did I do that? What's my motivation? What's going on? It's an amazing way to get to know yourself. Now, look, if you don't have circling in your area, don't have tea group, don't worry. Buy the book, Mouse <laughs> in the Room. It'll yes. show you how to identify this for yourself and clue other people in, in an artful way that's not going to create a train wreck, but that is more likely to create connection, trust, and even influence. I like that a lot. And also, I think what would be great is if you followed it up with a journal because uh, it could have tear out sheets with the little, you know, whatever that thing is you said you have that you fill out, um, you know, the worksheets and you could have a journaling area. I mean, there's a, even something called the elephant journal already. You could have the mouse journal or whatever you want to call it. Love it. But it could be the 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 thing that people buy for, as like a workshop thing, because I've I own a ton of journals 
and I use almost none of them the right way. So <laughs> it's just something I like getting. But so I know you're running a little bit short on time and, uh, and your tolerance mouse doesn't want to uh, make the next person late or whatever. I'm not sure if my wording's right. <laughs> That's right. Well done. But um, is there anything on failure or your historical um, just overall journey before I get to the last two questions, which are more forward looking? Uh, in yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll mention a couple of other things that have occurred to me like as failure my last book launch which was 10 something years ago the server crashed mm -hmm. and we lined people were waiting in line to get the book and to get all the bonuses i mean it wasn't like they flooded it because it was so popular it was just a random server crash or was it because there was so many people because there were so many people well that's good that's a good problem right it crashed no it's not <laughs> It, I, I see where you're going, but I was pissed. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I cried. I cried because I'd also paid for server reinforcement because mm. we knew we get a lot of traffic and when it crashed and people couldn't get in, they couldn't get the time sensitive bonuses. So they're like, oh, well, it's too late. Yeah. I just, I remember falling to my knees in my bedroom and after, after the two years of effort leading up to this, I just cried and cried and cried and felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back, sure, the book raised $60,000 for Sting's Rainforest Foundation. And I ended up recouping the 150 grand I put into the book. So, and, and here I am now doing the second one, but it felt. But, and yeah, what did you learn from that, that you applied to this launch? Because that's what I think is important. We don't, a lot of times when we're, finding the new success. We don't think of the failure that we endured that makes this one actually work out. So is there anything that you learned from that failure of a launch that you're putting into this new book that fixing it, like fixing the uh, way you're launching it, so to speak? Perhaps one lesson is that things don't always come in the time frame that you expect. Mm -hmm. And you think this is how it has to happen. And this is what has to happen with it. So that's if I'm reaching lowering expectations or i think managing expect expectations is important because it's more surrendering okay it's surrendering so you do everything you can you take massive action and you have backups on your backups on your backups mm -hmm. and then uh you know like recently i needed something to get to jack canfield and i wanted it overnight so i had two people <laughs> format the first two chapters in case one didn't come through yeah so you you do everything you can and then at some point you need to surrender and step back and say, all right, now what happens is not my business. Mm -hmm. So that yeah. was a huge lesson. And another failure, I've often felt like a failure in my own body and nervous system because I've been dealing with anxiety and depression for 20 years and fatigue. Mm -hmm. And so often my brain will go, oh, you, should, uh, you shouldn't have that. You should have solved that by now you 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 should deal with your issues better you should especially being a life coach you're like why can't i fix my own problems right right i've tried a hundred different things why do i still have it mm -hmm. and the lesson the couple of lessons from that one is people connect more with you over your imperfections truth than they do over your perfections so i've just gotten used to owning it yeah I still deal with that from time to time. And despite it, life goes on and I've found ways to manage it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I get clients that have like, look, I've been through that too, or I'm going through a lot of stress and anxiety. And uh, I see you've been through it too. Can you show me some things that have, that have worked? So I've learned to be myself especially when I think I might lose people or lose things mm -hmm. because you lose the things you're supposed to, you attract the things you're supposed to. And, and letting out or letting people be aware of those imperfections is one of those really counterintuitive ones that even when someone understands it, it's hard for them to do it. Yeah. You've just summed up the book, but when they do it, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, You've it's summed important. up the book. It's counterintuitive. You think I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Mark Manson said, the more you try to get people to like you, the less the, the less they will. Mm -hmm. So it's counterintuitive. Share what's going on, and life gets better. I'm not saying it's always going to be comfortable, mm -hmm. but if you're willing to tread this path, 
everything changes. Well, especially nowadays with social media and the highlight reel everyone's putting out there, like it's it's even more necessary these days to offset like just the amount of, you know, I'm amazing type of stuff that people are putting out there. People are sick of it, you know? Let's offset that with mouse naming. Exactly. So not to run over time. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. I'm going to hand this to you. It is, it's not a, it's bloop. Okay. You got your card now. Yep. Unfortunately, it's a short list card because you have to use it immediately to uh, it's only a name similar to the monopoly card, but it's basically if you could pursue a career or a hobby or a passion or something that you've avoided your whole life because of the amount of failure that's involved in it. And you had to get out of fail free card that you could used to be an actor or a bodybuilder or a pilot, or I don't know what the thing would be. What would you use your get out of fail free card for? Well, I'm tempted to use it for my acting career. Cause I, three weeks ago, I moved to Los Angeles to fully dive into acting. That sounds like a good use for it. So you're actively pursuing. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right in it. You're actively pursuing it. I don't call it pursuing because I'm not actually pursuing anything, but I'm actively enjoying it mm. for sure. Yeah, I've done a couple of commercials. I've done some short films. I, I got paid to do a play. So uh -huh. I'm doing it, but I'm not going to use a card for that because I've already been clear for the last year. Sure. I'm not pursuing anything. I'm already rocking it out and there is no way to fail for gotcha. this. I'm going to use the card for the book launch because I have some nerves about it. I've been, I care so much about it. Yeah. I'm putting so much into it. What if people are like, yeah, we don't, this is stupid. We don't care about mouse naming. We're not going to change the world. I'm going to use it for that. Perfect. And then yeah. I don't like the fake it till you make it thing. I like uh, fail, fail it till you nail it. So what's the next thing you're going to pursue? It sounds like it might be acting the thing you're going to just keep doing, not be sure of what the result is. And then, fail it till you nail it. Um, something you haven't yet tackled. I can't see further than the two big things in front of me right now. One is the book launch and I'm going to keep, I, I plan for the next six to 12 months to keep beating the, the drum, mm -hmm. starting a mouse naming revolution. And with acting, I'm going to keep auditioning, audition, 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 keep studying, keep having fun, putting up scenes. My next scene goes up Wednesday in front of the class at a professional theater. Uh -huh. uh, it's going to be a scene from Analyze This. Oh, uh, who are you playing? Very fun. I'm playing Robert De Niro's character of the mafia boss that mm -hmm. can't get it up. And uh, mm -hmm. he's worried he's going to get killed if they sense weakness. And yeah. so he's trying to get therapy from Billy Crystal's character. That was like a pre-Sopranos, Sopranos kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, but more slapstick. Sopranos is... If, let's pretend you could be an actor right now, like everyone in the world wants you. What would be the type of movie and the type of character that you'd play if you could choose anything? I'd like to do something like Groundhog Day that that has that's really funny, mm -hmm. very playful, and also very deep and potentially life changing. I love that movie. That's where I live at the intersection of playful and deep. So I, I've always loved Robin Williams. And Alan Alda, mm -hmm. because they and Tim Minchin, who's a comedian, because they 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 live in those two zones yeah. overlapping, and so that would be my ideal. I'd love to do a sitcom actually, like Friends. It, it, it was a little bit light on the meaning on the meaning, but just the joy of the fun, and they must have been laughing so hard. Oh yeah. Um, I'd also like to have my own TV show, cross between. Conan O'Brien and Dr. Phil. Okay. Like an interview format type of uh, talk show kind of thing, maybe something along those lines. Sure. Yeah. Not, not, not Jerry Springer more. Uh, <laughs> no, no. More chill. Play meets depth. Perfect. And then uh, where can people go to find you if they want to see what you're working on these days or get a copy of this book or any of the things? Yeah. Go grab the book uh, mouse in the room.com. It's going to be on Amazon, but we'll have a link to it at Mouse in the Room. And again, if, you, if you're hearing this prior to June 13, if you want to help it to be a bestseller, I'd love your support. Set your alarm for noon Pacific, June 13. And then go, there'll be a Kindle sale. We're going to have a bunch of bonuses as well. Go to mouseintheroom.com. And as I said, get 15 copies for 99 cents each, share them with your friends, and then 
If you believe it deserves a five-star review, come back a day later. Once you've checked out the book, like don't just, don't just blindly do it on faith. It'll look sketchy, you're saying. Well, that, that too, but also let's be in integrity. Come back after you've checked it out and leave a five-star review if you think it deserves it. And I think that's going to have it hit the bestseller list, which would be nice to put on the cover of the book. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get it out. It's May 26th right now. My turnaround time is usually not that great. I probably got 40 episodes in the can ready to be edited, but I'm going to try to get yours out before June 13th so people can take advantage of that and hopefully help out the book in any way I can. Thank you. I appreciate you. And thank you for being on the show and uh, sharing your vulnerability and uh, just your insight because uh, you've seemed to live a very interesting life. And I can't wait to uh, listen to the book when that eventually happens and buy the journal when you maybe release that. That's right. (laughs) Thanks. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, Always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.